We're so pleased that all of you are here. And I hope that those that are in the kitchen will also come here because we want everybody to be here as we worship the good Lord. But before we do that, I would like to mention to you that we have a small group today. The Crownses are not here. I wish they could be here. Uh, we had a special anointing service for them, and particularly for her. And because we're such a small group right now, do you remember that this church has been full many times? And the last time it was full was Father's Day weekend. There were people that flew in from other places. And the reason that they all came is because Patty Atkinson and her husband Steve met my wife and me over in a certain store. And she made a plea. And she said, would you mind if on Father's Day we have a special service because I think my husband is so ill that this will be probably the last time that he'll ever be in church. So they came to church, Patty and her husband, and all the other people that came, and she replied, Elaine, could you come here? She replied to me in a letter, and I want my wife to go ahead and read that letter and I want you to listen very carefully. Dear Pastor and Mrs. Skoritz, the blessing service for Steve is something for which I continue to be grateful. Thank you for your work and help to make it happen. God arranged travel dates so my brother and his wife were in town for the weekend and that was the last time Steve went to church. By the following weekend, he was too weak and was confined to bed. His sister and brother-in-law had flown from Baltimore to see him, and he died the following Friday. I am so thankful we saw you in Costco that day and that it took place just when it did to have a blessing service for him on the weekend of Father's Day. Thank you to both of you and the Crestline Church. Sincerely yours, Patty Atchison. think that that was the first, the last time that he was in church here in Crestline. And you as a church supported them so much. They have been coming to church before most of you came here, and they've been here many, many times. He's been a missionary, she has been a missionary, and here they had a special occasion with all the people that came here. It was sort of a memorial service, as it were, and he was present. So today I'm going to share with you a message that I hope that it will be a real blessing to all of us. You know, the Sabbath school lesson that 
Jim Trott gave was a very interesting one. I don't know where Jim is. But I wanted to make sure that he hears that it was a good lesson. And to think, and to think that we had a lesson on what happened at the council when the church was just beginning. Did you know that there were 120 people who formed the first church known as a Christian church? It was in the upper room, according to Acts 1.15, where they were there, Jesus was there, and the Holy Spirit was there, and it so happened that that was the beginning of the church. This group compromised the first church and the only church that Jesus established. So I want you to be very careful as you and I share some of these things. And I want you, with the Holy Spirit guiding you, to see how you fit into this church that Jesus first formed. That church that was formed in Jerusalem, would you believe it? It was the first church that Jesus started, and it grew in leaps and bounds to the place where they began to share their faith in such a way that it traveled to Persia, to India, to Great Britain, everywhere. And the first nation that became, or country, that became a Christian country was Armenia. Did you know that? I'm sure you did. So when you really look at how that church was begun by Jesus, how the apostles and the congregation that was there were blessed and they spread the gospel everywhere and groups were formed in a marvelous way. Now, as we look at the research that I've tried to put together for this service, it is amazing how God blessed. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 5.25, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, I want to ask you a question. Was it that Christ gave, loved, and gave himself for the church as a building? No. It was the church, the congregation. That's what it's all about. So, if a person loves the Lord Jesus Christ, he will love what Jesus loved, and that's the church. The vital part of the church and the head of the church is none other 
than Jesus. And you and I must remember that, believe it, love the church as Jesus loved the church. Now, the church that Jesus established, we will have to observe that it was the congregation in Jerusalem. It was the only church that Jesus actually established. To it, he gave the task of fulfilling his promise. And what was his promise? The greater things, the greater works than I have done, ye shall do. What? The people that are followers of Christ will do even greater things than Jesus has done? So let's face it. That church that Jesus first started in Jerusalem became a part of a divine pattern for all other churches. How long do you think that church lasted? Did you know that the Jerusalem church survived only a few years? It did not die because of neglect or disinterest or lack of attendance, but because of war. If you remember, the Christians fled in AD 70, just before the Romans destroyed the city of Jerusalem from one end to the other. So the church only lasted for 37 years. But look what it accomplished. 3,000 were added in one day. Amazing how God is blessed. So now we're going to go ahead and take a look at the church that Jesus originated, the only church that he originated, and see what we can learn from that church that that church did and compare it to the Crestline Seventh Adventist Church. And you, each one, are members of this church. So think, reason, and see how you fit into the church that Jesus started some 2,000 years ago. All right. Number one. It was an evangelizing, baptizing church. Imagine, 3,000 souls according to Acts 2, 41, baptized in one day. How? Without any preachers, a few apostles, what happened? How did they go forward to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatever things I have commanded you? Who? I? Christ commanded them, they preached that very message. Number two, it remained true to the apostles' doctrine. Can you imagine? Why were they true? The apostles were inspired by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus promised 
that the Spirit would bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you, John 14, 26. So when we're connected with God's Holy Spirit and we trust and God's Holy Spirit is controlling us, we will remember everything that Jesus taught. Number three, it was a church which emphasized fellowship. Can you imagine those young people, older people, all the people getting together, having a fellowship, looking at each other, checking, hearing, and trusting each other in a marvelous way. They had a fellowship that was beautiful, great. In fact, did you know that there's some churches in communist countries that would come to church at 6.30 in the morning and stay until 10, 12, midnight because they were fellowshipping. They were looking for somebody who believed like they do, who believed in God. That fellowship is so beautiful that it actually is a heavenly fellowship. It was a church which ate together frequently. They had the ordinances. And at the end of this quarter, we're going to have ordinances. We're going to celebrate. Michael is going to be conducting us as one of the elders. It's beautiful how God, and of course, all the others that have been elders have already had that experience. So here it is that they break bread. Acts 2.42. It was a church that it was a praying church. And this church prays. It is amazing how many times we have prayed and God answered the prayer. And how many times we prayed that we didn't know whether God answered, but God still answered the prayer. And even the prayer that we had, an anointing for and you were there for Mrs. Crowns. I tell you, you're right. What faith she has in God. It's just amazing. The faith that she has in God and how she trusts in him and she believes <coughs> that all will go well. And this church that Jesus first started in Jerusalem was a sharing, a giving church. It's amazing how God inspires us to be like God, as it were, to give, to give, to give. And God gives us in order to give, to give, to give. And God has a way of encouraging all of us to be faithful like him. Pure religion is undefiled before God. And it is to give. Another part that we have learned about the church that Jesus started in Jerusalem, it was a church with a daily program of activities. Does this church, this church have daily programs? We have weekly, we have it at 
Tuesday, Wednesday. But do we really have a daily? Did you know that the time is coming when this church is going to have a daily program of witnessing all over, constantly? And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Acts 2, 46 and 47. Did you know there's something else about the church that Jesus started in Jerusalem? It was a church which featured divine healing. It's beautiful to think that God has a way of this church healing, healing all of us physically, mentally, spiritually. All that healing goes on and on and on. In fact, Acts or James 5.14 says, If any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. It's beautiful how God somehow with even the first church established a system that we in our churches have today. And then it is a church that Jesus started, it was a church which witnessed boldly. As Rodney read, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spake the word of God boldly. Did you know that some of us are very timid? But when the Holy Spirit, and we allow the Holy Spirit to use us, we're going to be bold. We're going to be bold to doing God's work. Did you know that in Luke 9, 26, it does say something to each one of us today. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. You know what my favorite text is, Romans 1, 9, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't afford to be ashamed. There's something else that the church that Jesus started had as a characteristic is found in Acts 5.25. And it says that this church that Jesus started was a teaching church. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the man whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Doesn't matter whether we're in prison or wherever. We are teaching people 
constantly. Did you know that the church that Jesus started was demonstrated today by this church that we took a vote? The church that Jesus started, it was a church that was voting constantly. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom ye may appoint, vote for, for their business, to do their business. So God has a way of doing things that we today are still doing. Another part that was very interesting is that it was a church spiritually led by elders. Did you know that? The Jerusalem church had a group of elders, spiritual leaders. Peter wrote the following in 1 Peter 5.1. I, who am also an elder, an elder is someone who has been set aside by a special ordination to lead the people of God. And so are other leaders, such as deacons, such as deaconesses. They're set aside to do a special work for God, to lead God's people by teaching, by preaching, the leadership of elders is very important in this church. So the Jerusalem church became the great foundation pattern of all the churches. It is the most important thing that we understand that this new Jerusalem church was like because the foundation of our churches today are roots and our practices originated with that particular church. And did you know that at that time it was a Christian church and there were no denominations anywhere. So this church that was first originated applies to all Protestant churches as well. To everyone. Now, today's churches, including the Seventh Avenue Church, a problem arises when the clergy or the ministers are placed in full control of everything. This is why I, as a pastor, serving the Lord ever since I have given him my life, I made sure that I'm only here to help the church. Because you as elders and as leaders are the church. I'm only here to help, encourage you, and guide you, hopefully, for the good. And I think that this church has fulfilled to a large degree, decreed the Jerusalem church, wonderful Christian 
dedicated leaders that we have in this church. We just voted them in again. And God has blessed. And you know what? God has blessed you with all the talents that you have. You serve the Lord. And you know, my wife and I have been blessed for 22 years to serve this church. And there's only one person right now that is a member of this church right now. And that's Rodney and Elaine and myself from the 22 years ago when I first came. All of you are new. All of you are new. And Mike and his wife. You bet. So there's one, two, three, four, five. Amazing. And you know, my wife and I have been blessed to be part of this church, to serve the Lord here. And now I've come to the place where I need to announce something to you. And that is that on September 8, I will preach my last sermon here as your pastor. Not this coming Sabbath, but the Sabbath after. You are going to have a new pastor. What did you say? Is that what you're all asking? Why? Is that what you're asking? Why? What if you don't? What if we do? <laughs> I'm here to tell you that the conference has chosen to have me have my last sermon here on September the 8th. And the reason for it is you will have a brand new pastor, a young pastor, and his name is Pastor Rudoy who is a pastor of the Banning Church. And he lives in Loma Linda. And he's going to be your pastor. He will have his first sermon here on the 22nd of September. And... Uh, he is fully paid as a full pastor. He will pastor the Banning Church and this church as a district. That's the decision that the conference made. And when you're asking me, where are you going? I'm not even going to the Homeland Church. They also formed a district with Greg Clark and Paul Savino and they are going to have, they have now the Palm Desert Oasis Church, and they are going to include Homeland Church as a district. So there are two pastors there with one church, 
now they're going to have the two pastors of the two churches, uh, and uh, they will, they're all paid full. So with you, with me giving you just one quarter, they will give you full time. In Crestline, the same way. So, I thought I'd announce that. Now, where am I going? My wife and I, the conferences asked us, and I've already met with the pastor of the Mintone Church, and I will be joining them. They have a full-time pastor, John Anderson. They have a full-time youth leader, but they've never had a pastor who's 90 years old. I hope that you will have many pastors that will be 90 years old. So I, uh, I thought I'd make this announcement. So the next time I am here, which will be on the 8th of September, it will be my last sermon here as your pastor. We're still friends, and we're going to be friends not only now, but throughout eternity. And I hope and pray that each of you will think clearly that Christ is the head of this church. He gave himself for it. So give your service to the almighty God and serve him and him only. Don't serve yourself. Don't accept yourself as one who is the authority on everything. Christ is the head of this church and I want you to be faithful to God and the days ahead are going to be very trying days. They're going to shake up a lot of people And we want you to be faithful and true to the very end. How many of you promise that we're going to be faithful to God throughout eternity? Let us rise as we have the closing prayer. And while you're standing, before I have the prayer, I want to read what I've shared with the board many times. It says this, the Lord has provided his church with capabilities and blessings that they may present to the world an image of his own sufficiency and that his church may be complete in him. Testimonies to Ministers, page 15. And further, it says, the Lord Jesus is making experiments on human hearts through the exhibition of his mercy and abundant grace. He is, if, he is effecting transformation so amazing that Satan, with all his triumphant boasting, with all his confederacy of evil united against God and the laws of his government, stands viewing them as a fortress impregnable to his sophistries and delusions. They are to him an incomprehensible mystery. To who? To Satan. Why? Because you're God's people and you're doing his will. Then it says, the angels of God, seraphims and cherubims, the powers of commission to cooperate with human agencies, look on with astonishment and joy that fallen men once children of wrath are through the training of Christ 
developing characters after the divine similitude to be sons and daughters of God to act an important part in the occupation and pleasure of heaven. To his church, Christ has given ample facilities that he may receive a large revenue of glory from his redeemed purchased possessions. And that's you. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for all the blessings that you have given each one of us. And that Jesus gave himself on Calvary's cross to die for our sins. We accept the plan of salvation that you have established. We thank Jesus for dying for us. Help us to live for him and to be faithful, not only now, but throughout eternity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.